Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. Dr. Carl, a very good morning to you and happy Valentine's Day. Yes, um, even though we don't really know who St. Valentine was or um, when they somehow got associated with love. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the other hand, uh, too much love is barely enough, so I'm very happy to take anything. Right. So so it's it, it's an amazing thing that we all know that it's a commercial day. We all know that prices of flowers go up. Everybody knows that that we are kind of being manipulated. But then we all go along with this and get behind it. What does it say about human nature? We like to have fun, and that any <laughs> chance for a party is too few. We've got to have lots of chances. The more, the better. So I like holidays. He's apparently uh, registered back then, besides being the um, courtly love as opposed to personal love. He's also associated with epilepsy and beekeepers. He lived. He died around the 200s, 260 or something, yeah. but his name was not mentioned as a saint, as a martyr, for nearly 800 years. So they sort of chucked him in later. That's interesting. Okay. Anyway, whatever works, uh, whatever works. And let's just talk about, uh, let's just uh, talk about things that do or don't work. Heat therapy. Hot or cold. Does heat therapy work? And what is it? Yes and no. Right. But there's a, and and cold therapy as well. Mm. So the way I remember it is that heat reminds with treat. Mm -hmm. So, Obscurely, that makes you think that it's for long-term treatment. Whereas cold has starts with the letter C, and the word acute, which is a medical mm, term meaning short-term, has C in it, so you use it for short-term. Prime example, the other day I was pumping iron, and I dropped a heavy weight on my shin and burst open an artery and got myself an, a bruise the size of half an egg, you know, like an egg mm. sliced long ways. I had a bruise half the size of an egg on my shin, and it was huge. So I immediately used cold. I wrapped it tightly in a bandage, you know, clearing up the blood, no big deal, and then put ice on it. Now, normally, heat and cold therapy, 20 minutes. Blow that for a joke, mate. I went for a full two hours. So I had my, my foot, my leg up on the table, so gravity was helping, helping. me. Mm. And I kept on refreshing the ice. And at the end of two hours, I took off the bandage, absolutely no bruise. Wow. Now, the, the reason I was kind of lukewarm mm. on the science is that in some cases, the same treatment, or sorry, the same condition has two opposite treatments. So there's stuff like delayed onset muscle soreness, which happens if you go and pump uh, at the gym iron really hard, you pump iron really hard, and you can end up with muscle soreness a day later. Not fully understood why, mm. but it happens a day later. And in each case, people swear by the fact that hot, cold therapy and hot therapy works. And for osteoporosis, they'll say that hot therapy and cold therapy works. Definitely, hot therapy, heat therapy, and you don't go too hot, um, will open up the blood vessels. Maybe it removes some of the metabolites like lactic acid, maybe not. Mm-hmm. And definitely, cold therapy will close the blood vessels and reduce swelling and inflammation. But sometimes you want inflammation so they both kind of work but the science is a little bit lukewarm and what works for you go with that bearing in mind that the side effects are almost certainly very minor although if you've got open wounds you don't want to use heat therapy or cold therapy 
Right, that would make sense. Let's talk about renewable electricity improving merino wool quality on a sheep farm. That sounds yeah, so, fascinating. Yeah, we've had this weird thing in Australia where um, they're saying that we can't possibly uh, have use up any of our agricultural land for uh, renewable energy such as wind towers uh, or solar farms because I'll take up all the landscape, which is totally wrong. And then they say that the wind farms put out radiation that apparently is really bad. That's wrong as well. And then they say that the solar farms use up the entire land and you can't put anything on it. Well, that's incorrect as well because you've got to have room between them so you can do maintenance. And what the sheep farmers are finding is that the quality of the grass is more consistent over the season. And these merino sheep farmers, they're right into the high-end merino wool, stuff that's worth thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars per kilogram. And the consistency is incredibly important. And what the sheep farmers are finding is that they're getting a 20% improvement in consistency from the wool, from their merino sheep, that grows on land where you've got hundreds of hectares of solar panels. He thinks that it's because the solar panels catch the water and then funnel it off to the side, and so there's good quality pasture all around. Plus, if it's a hot day, the sheep can sit underneath the wool panel, uh, underneath the panels. So either way, it does seem that the solar farms are not bad for the sheep, but actually good for the sheep. But also there's money. So in Australia, the um, New South Wales and Queensland governments pay um, landholders, if you've got transmission lines on your property, a quarter of a million dollars per year. Well, that's a nice little earner for a farmer when seasons are bad. Yeah. And also um, when they've got um, uh, wind turbines, I'll pay $40,000 per turbine per year to a maximum of 12 turbines for property, giving you $480,000 a year. So it seems like a win-win and the climate denialists are just clutching at straws. <laughs> but why, it's, it's so, it, it, even the arguments are absurd, given the size of Australia, given the size of the land mass. Australia should be one of the countries, given the sunshine um, and the climate, it should be one of the countries, the first countries in, one, in the world to be almost completely uh, uh, independent of fossil fuels, it can really go the the renewable energy, clean energy route. And can you imagine what that would do for the environment and for Australia? Ah, well, um, here's part of the reason why. So in Australia, the 24 fossil fuel companies generate revenue. Yes. The amount of revenue they generate is one-tenth of Australia's GDP, which is $1.5 trillion. So they make $150 billion. And the amount of tax they pay on that $150 billion in revenue is not 20%. Yeah, like 30 billion or 30 million or 30,000. Last year it was 30, Hmm? which is enough to provide for the citizens of Australia, is enough to provide for all of Australia in that whole year for the 27 million people, six or seven cups of coffee to be shared out among the 27 million people over the period of 365 days of a year. So they've got a good thing going where they don't pay any tax. They just take stuff out of Australia, and amazingly, there's no tax. And so they seem to have 
how would you put it delicately, influence mm. uh, at high levels of politics. Um, and they've managed to hold back the introduction of uh, renewable energy to a magnificent degree. Even So South Australia, uh, last year, about 70% of all its energy came from renewables over the whole calendar year. And that's with the federal government trying to stop them. Amazing. Absolutely fascinating. It is about to go 7 o'clock. Dr. Cole, thank you as always. He's our science communicator, bringing us a very, very interesting information as always. I'm Howard Feldman. This is Your Morning Mayhem. It's 101.9 High FM.